There's nothing like a warm, soothing cup of Bigelow tea. Sleep better, live stress-free, and stay well all year long with Bigelow Benefits, a collection of everyday wellness teas made from good-for-you ingredients. Each tea contains a unique blend of beneficial herbs that taste uncommonly delicious. Available at your local grocer, Amazon, or BigelowTea.com. Bigelow Benefits, redefining wellness every day. I love Greek food and I love healthy food and I love when you can take delicious food and make it healthier. And the wonderful chef Peter Minaki has done just that. He is one of Canada's finest Toronto-based Greek food experts. Peter Minaki has roots in Florina. He is often referred to as Kalafagos, which is Greek for gourmand. And he created the Kalafagos blog in 2010 to introduce the world to delicious Greek cuisine with many unique twists to the thousands of flavorful recipes. Moreover, the site is a showcase of traditional, modernized, and unique recipes inspired by his eclectic experience traveling to Greece. Manaki always promotes the diversity of Greek cuisine, and today we're talking about his latest book, because this gentleman has quite a few amazing cookbooks, The Everything Green Mediterranean Cookbook, 200 Plant-Based Recipes for Healthy and Satisfying Weight Loss. Hi, Peter. Hello, Lisa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Never better. (laughs) Well, it's so great to have you on the program. I absolutely love Greek food. There was a restaurant that my husband and I used to go to in Santa Cruz, California called Vasili's. Okay. And he made cota lemonati. Right. Uh, A lemon chicken. Okay. Yeah. I've never been able to come close. I don't know. The oregano, the garlic, the lemon, the the Greek olive oil, whatever it was, like it was the potatoes were perfection. You have so many great recipes in your book. But before we jump in, tell us about, and I hope I said it right, Kalofagas? Kalofagas. Kalofagas. The accent on on certain syllables is different. So it's kalo, which is good. Fagas is eater. And so it's a compound word in Greek, kalofagas. And that's what the food blog website has its name as, and uh, that's where I actually started out back in 2007. Oh, wow. Now, when did you first get interested in cooking? Uh, That goes even further back. Uh, We go back to the summer of 1989. My mother went to Greece on her own and uh, for the summer, and uh, back then there was no cell phones or jumping on uh, a Skype chat or whatever, and so you and long distance calls were quite expensive. So we'd get the phone call, you hear that clicking noise of a long distance call, and it was basically her telling us, you know, what time to pick her up from the airport, etc. And uh, you're quickly talking with the relatives that are there, and she goes, you know, oh, I have a surprise for you guys when we arrive, or I arrive back from uh, Greece. Okay, fine. She comes home. We're unpacking. Many suitcases, because back then uh, there wasn't really much of a limit, like for international flights. And she's unpacked everything. This is from grandma. This is from grandpa. This is from your uncle, so and such. Okay, fine. And uh, she's done. And then she just takes her clothes for the laundry. We go. Hold on. Where's the surprise? She goes. Ah, okay. <laughs> she reaches in her purse and goes ding a ling a ling a ling, dangling keys. She had bought a summer home. In Greece. Oh my goodness. And my dad's freaking out. What are you doing? You can't do that. You didn't consult me. She goes, Well, sure, I can do that, you know? And I did. And so it was a really good deal. She jumped on it. We still have this summer home. But to get back to how I got into cooking is that 
for the first few summers, my brother and I, younger brother, we thought we were going to have a bachelor's paradise each summer with the parents gone to Greece, you know, barbecuing, takeout, etc. We did do that at first, but that we grew weary of that and started yearning for some home-cooked meals. And slowly but surely, I started trying some different dishes from a simple pasta course uh, to perhaps doing something in the oven, etc., I remember the early years of going to Greece. It was basically having these one pot or these one a sheet tray pan kind of dishes that were uh, easy to prepare, local, seasonally. Fish, seafood, legumes, uh, olive oil, uh, dairy is fine. Uh, you know, cheeses such as uh, we, we've kind of focused in uh, more like on, on goat and sheep's milk rather than the cow's milk, which unfortunately here in North America is so much more prevalent. But there's studies that found that if you consume goats and sheep's milk, cheeses, and dairy, you can digest that easier easier as well. Uh, Mediterranean diet has been around for ages. It's just you know, eat as local as possible, as seasonally as possibly. Don't skip meals, etc. Uh, when I go to back home and visit family and relatives, if you can, make that main course lunchtime it's hard for us to do because a lot of people have nine to five type of jobs etc or they're out on the road and they're stopping through a dive through and you know chowing down very quickly and then they're having what's you know, you know most people consider dinners being their mean meal of the day if you can shift that towards lunch you've got a half of it in the in, you know the battle one right there this green mediterranean diet it was found uh well it, it was discovered th- uh, by this walnut council in california if you may that went and did a study whereby they did a more focused mediterranean diet where they cut out the red meat uh there's not as much olive oil and dairy as as the mediterranean diet has like in the mediterranean diet like if you've ever been to a Greek person's home, like we're just going like this, you know, with the olive oil, one steamboat, two steamboat, keep on going. <laughs> and but you know, for a Mediterranean diet, somebody's looking to loosen the weight. We do have some more measured amounts of that. Uh, although there's dairy, we're using less of that. But the big thing they found is when they compare, you know, lots of nuts in the diet are really going to help you as well. None to keep you full, fortified, give you energy. And, uh, you know, something that's really good for you. And uh, they've also have these these uh, these powders that you can find at health stores that you can add into smoothies or supplement dishes. It's a derivative from these lilies, I believe. Oh, interesting. And, and they just found that when you add that powder in with like a smoothie, etc., or you can actually add into some other dishes uh, uh, just sparingly, that it can actually help promote uh, weight loss. All right. So in the book, before we jump into the recipes, you have eat seasonally, enjoy healthy fats, eat what you love. You talk about stocking a Mediterranean kitchen, kitchen equipment. Talk to us about stocking a Mediterranean kitchen. What 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 can we have in there? Uh, legumes, dried beans, legumes, etc. In the book, as a uh, as a convenience product, if you if you have a really really uh, busy day. I, I, I'm a proponent of the canned legumes and beans as well. Me too. You know, uh, you can just rinse them under cold water in a sieve, and you can use that. It's a nice shortcut. Uh, you can find lentils of all varieties in cans, uh, chickpeas, uh, 
great northern beans, uh, cannellini, uh, the Greek elephant, uh, lima beans, uh, all of the, uh, and then, you know, some of the other uh, old black-eyed peas, uh, you name it, they're there. Uh, the, 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 the bean mixes that people add into salads, etc. Uh, I just find if you rinse them and then you can start over again, because there's some sodium in that whole liquid st- uh, stuff that's in with the beans and stuff. So just rinse that and then you have a clean palate and you could have a dish on the table with those uh, uh, beans or in legumes in, in, in 30 minutes, you know, uh, I would say stock up with that. Obviously good olive oils, you know, uh, spices, herbs, you know, depending on where you live, uh, you might have some fresh herbs in the garden that you can draw upon. Uh, some dried herbs are, are, are wonderful. Like I like, I love bay leaves, bay leaves, figure in my cooking very much there's always i know there's a big debate about people saying they don't really add anything to cooking but i disagree with them bay leaves are wonderful addition to a dish uh you notice it if it's missing you like you know it's kind of like when somebody doesn't put anchovy or anchovy paste in the caesar salad you know if it's not there, you go, mm, what's missing? Same thing with a lot of the dishes in Mediterranean food. You don't have the bay leaves in there. You go, something's missing there. And uh, so, you know, a combination of fresh and dry herbs and spices. I mentioned olive oil. Uh, your seasoning, salt, pepper, etc. You can amp up flavors also with uh, spices, like, you know, hot peppers, if you like. It's up to you. Uh, there's... Uh, those are the basic pantry items that everybody can find. And, you know, like if, if you go to your neighborhood bulk store, even the, the more uh, exotic spices and herbs we found there now as well. Right. And did you say nuts? Nuts, of course. No, I, 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 thank you for reminding me. <laughs> there's so many things. But, yeah, absolutely, a whole bunch of nuts. And one tip for people is uh, if you go and buy nuts from one of the big box stores, etc., the bags are pretty big, put them in your freezer, uh uh-huh. yep. My mom used to do that when I, I was growing I up. I put my nuts in the freezer, and they'll 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 stay indefinitely. I have no worry about them being rancid, and I have to you know throw good money away because of that. I want to jump into some of these recipes now. I'm going to try to pronounce this. We're looking right. at the breakfast. Strapatsada. Strapatsada. Yes. Scrambled eggs with tomatoes. Well, I just wanted to mention it, it caught my eye because I'm I'm Jewish and I have cousins that are Sephardic Jews yeah. uh, from Spain, and so I saw that it says it's a dish uh, Sephardic Jews brought to Greece from Spain. Uh, it's a kind of omelet with fresh tomatoes and feta, and it's delicious. Well, uh, let, these are theories, but like I'm, uh, there, there's there's strong evidence that the the uh, Sephardic Jews that settle in Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki is the second largest city in Greece. It's about a five-hour drive north of Athens. Uh, back then, Thessaloniki was also known as uh, New Jerusalem because the amount of Sephardic Jews that came and settled there, and this is from the Spanish Inquisition, and this is one of the places where they resettled. Uh, Thessaloniki back then was a very multicultural uh, city. There was uh, Ottoman Turks there. There were Jews. There were Greeks. There were Gypsies. There were uh, Slavic peoples from the north of the border of Greece that were there. But actually, back then, it was still the Ottoman Empire. But uh, they brought the cuisine, uh, I believe, and they spoke uh, uh, the dialect of, of the, the Sephardic Jews of Spain, uh, Ladino, right? I believe right. that's the language, Ladino. Yes, Ladino. And, and, and I believe that they refer to eggs as huevos, eggs in Spanish. 
And the strapazzata, and the other theory is that tomatoes made their way to the Mediterranean Europe by way of Jewish merchants as well. Oh, interesting. All right. That, these are just theories, but uh, we call it strapazzata northern Greece. In the south, like when I say south Athens and below in the Peloponnese, the same dish they call kaganas. Uh, but it's basically the same thing, and so uh, it's we love having eggs for dinner as well. Uh, wonderful way to have your protein. All the doctors tell you, go ahead, eat your eggs, don't worry about it. So basically, you, what you're doing is you're taking ripe tomatoes using one of the box graters, which is another essential tool that everybody should have in a Mediterranean kitchen, and you're adding some olive oil into the pan and you're grating that pulp into the pan, and you have to. Uh, simmer and cook off as much water as possible in the pan. And then afterward, oh, you can add some onion there if you want, some garlic if you want something more than to, uh, just the tomato, a little bit of salt, pepper. And then you can uh, crack your eggs once all that water is gone. Do a scramble, add your feta cheese. If you want to add some oregano, you want to add uh, some chives for color, it's up to you. Maybe a little bit of chili flakes. Throw that on your plate, uh, get some uh, bread of your choice, and mop it up. And it's, 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 a, it's a nourishing, quick, and delicious uh, meal. You can be brunt. I've had it for breakfast, and I've had it for dinner as well. Oh, yeah, I definitely eat it for dinner as well. I, it's really good. That dish uh, is, is, really stands out when you have ripe, in-season tomatoes, for sure, yeah. I bet. Uh, the baklava oatmeal I made for my daughter, and she loved it. I mean, we love baklava. So to have that, that's got the steel-cut oats, and it's got cinnamon and honey and walnuts. and mm. yeah, Oh, yeah. That's, that's been very popular. Uh, I, I've, I've done that for, for, some, for some people on weekends and stuff. Uh, you, you, you know, people have oatmeal. So it's very healthy, but they, it gets pretty uh, boring. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll put their... Uh, a pinch of salt, they'll put their water in there, quick oats, etc. they'll boil up. They might, up here, like, I know Massachusetts, Ontario, Quebec, we all are maple syrup producing uh, uh, areas of north northeast, and, you know, you can have some maple syrup, honey, you know. But, you know, if you have the honey and you have the, all those baklava spices, it's wonderful. Oh, yes, definitely. Another one that caught my eye I haven't made yet is a multigrain cornmeal waffles. Oh yeah, the, 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 you uh, you can put anything in a waffle maker now. So you, it's basically you're making uh, uh, a batter that's it's it's that's similar to uh, you know cornbread. You put it through your waffle griddle, and you can do anything. You know, even going beyond Mediterranean green diet. Like I see people like they, they can put uh, you can put a mixture of let's say like a potato pancake or a latka, put it in there. And it's going to make like a, 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 a waffle out of it. Uh, it. It's it's a it's a neat little thing. Some people are even putting uh, even like you know like, like we mentioned yeah the latkes. Uh, you can put anything in there. Food is also about textures, right? Definitely. So what you have that crispiness from that the waffle maker gives you. It's nice and fluffy on the inside, and you know that's that's where it's it's selling it. Oh, God, that sounds so good. Now, in Chapter 3, we have snacks and smoothies. So, I love mango and ginger, and your mango ginger green smoothie is so good. I just love ginger. Me too. Very healthy for you as well. I've, I've been on a ginger kick for ages, and I tell people, like, you know, uh, you should have it in your pantry. 
I, I'm not of Asian background, nor are you, but like uh, where we, where I live, I have a, a, quite a bit of Asian stores, and uh, sometimes I don't have the choice of buying just one knob of ginger. I'd have to buy the whole bag, but that's not a problem. Ginger is, I'll get on one of these pantry items that you have that you can put in your freezer, and then chop off, lop off a piece that you need, uh, use the back of a spoon to get rid of the, the, the skin, and then just use the box grater again to grate what you need. And then you can leave the rest of your ginger in your freezer so you don't end up throwing it all up and stuff. But uh, mangoes, I, again, I love. Uh, uh, it's You know, you can use frozen mango if you, if you can't find the fresh stuff or if it's uh, not ripe enough or, you know, uh, now we're having supply chain issues. Right. The other challenge. <laughs> so if you can't find mangoes that come from by way of Mexico, that's what comes up here to uh, Canada. They can always use the frozen uh, kind as well. And then the sweetness of those is it can can be inconsistent. And then you know what? Uh, use that you know a nice sweetener of your choice. Some people like agave syrup. I like a, a nice qual a good quality honey. And just, just, you know, if you find a little bit, if you want something a little sweeter than the, what the fruit might actually impart. Yeah, you know, speaking of ginger, so my husband makes this tea without tea. It's actually ginger, black pepper, cardamom, cinnamon, and I know I'm forgetting something. He drinks it. I said, you're going to live forever. But at any rate, he will chop up the hugest amount of ginger you've ever seen, and then he just puts it in little baggies in the freezer. Yeah, yeah. And he just takes it out every single day. I have another friend that swears by a similar tea, but she adds turmeric in there. That's what it was. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, I knew I forgot one of the key ingredients. And it's so funny that you say turmeric because the next recipe I was looking at looking at is the Mandarin Sunshine Smoothie, which has turmeric. Yeah, absolutely. And the whole sunshine thing, you know, if you take a look at the powder, the turmeric, it's just such a vibrant color. And it just reminded me of a sunset. It was just very easy to come up with a name. Uh, and depending on where you are in, in, in North America and what part of the uh, – the, the city you are, if how many people, how many Asian people you have. We have a, quite a substantial Asian community here in Toronto now, and some of these places even have fresh turmeric. It looks like it, it looks like a kind of like a Jerusalem artichoke, you know, kind of thing. They peel the outside, and you can grate that also fresh if you want. Oh, that's nice. You know, it's funny because I was at a health food store recently and this I was looking at this thing this woman was holding and I looked closely. I'm like, wait, is that turmeric just on the color? And she said, yeah, it is. And yeah, yeah, I said, wow, we well, always just use turmeric powder. She said, oh, no, it's great. And she yeah. just talked about it the way you did. So, Well, and another one that, that's, that I find, it has, again, this is unrelated, but another item that I find night and day is there's jarred horseradish and then the fresh stuff. The fresh stuff I love. I absolutely love that. Uh, you're you're uh, in New England oysters, etc. Fresh horseradish on there, it's phenomenal. And and it's 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 not as sharp as, as that uh, jarred stuff, which sometimes is, is, is off putting. I don't know. They have vinegars or something there. Yeah, but the fresh stuff is phenomenal. When, when possible, have fresh. I, I've got to try that because on Passover, all I've ever had my whole life is jarred. All right. The very berry green smoothie. I love that you use unsweetened pomegranate juice with berries and mint and spinach. That sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you could even get that. Like, if you go to the supermarket, they have most of the stuff they have there is from the familiar company you all know with is, you know, it's that palm juice. 
But if you read the fine print, else has cranberry juice in there as well. There's nothing wrong with the cranberry juice, but you're you're not getting, you know, the full benefit of of, of you know being 100% pomegranate juice. You have to look for the more expensive stuff. Uh, and people should splurge on stuff that's which is are matters of your health. I agree. Oh uh, my god! And, and pomegranates totally are, are, are one such example there. Sometimes you know, go and chase the specials. If you see somebody has one special, buy a case of it. Keep them down in your cellar, or if you have a cellar or 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 a, a cool room, as we call them up here as well, and they'll they'll hold for a while. And uh, you can uh, some people have you know juicers. You can you can cut them in half and just you know put the palm uh, the half of the pomegranate and get your own juice, or just buy it. And it's it's one of those super fruits and spinach. If it's good for Popeye, it's good for us, right? Uh, <laughs> yep. And uh, what else do we have in that recipe? Uh, I can't remember all the 200 recipes. <laughs> Please, I don't expect you to. So you've got unsweetened pomegranate juice, baby spinach, fresh mint, and yeah. mixed berries. Wonderful. The mixed berries you can use depending on what's at the market or, again, the frozen ones. Here in Canada, because of our climate, we, we've actually been innovators with freezing uh fruits and vegetables and because of other necessity you know uh here in canada like toronto has a climate similar to chicago's uh let's put it to you that way like we're in this we're about 90 minutes away from the border which is niagara falls new york and ontario but you know it's a very short growing season here it's not like the mediterranean or even uh, even you know, where you live in, in the Massachusetts or New York and New Jersey, it's a totally different gl- growing zone. Uh, our tomatoes are, our first tomatoes are ready early August, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, lilacs, my, my mom would tell me, like, you know, the, the sign of spring is when the lilacs bloom, okay? So over here, we kind of know how our summer's going to be in Toronto. And so when the lilacs bloom, it's usually like late May. With the frozen fruits, it's a nice convenience product, and and they and they and they have a technology where they they just deep freeze them right away, and they're 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 much like how people pickle and can stuff. Same with freezing these fruits and vegetables; they're frozen at the height of when they're in season, so you're still getting a good product. And the mint herbs are great for adding added you know flavor to any dish you want and then also the medicinal benefits like everything has its own uh, medicinal property be it mint be it oregano be it rosemary sage uh tarragon all, you know, bay leaves all of them have other properties that, are, that do good for you yeah they absolutely do another thing too you can do with herbs if you buy fresh herbs and you think you know i'm gonna waste them you can put them in ice cube trays i've seen it fill them with that. water Absolutely. yeah yeah you can do that and they do they hold on to their flavor uh I, I want one uh, another thing you can do is sometimes i have a glut of, of herbs like let's say parsley it's right. like use it or lose it or freeze them parsley uh, you can chop up and fr- it freezes well oh good and it's it's something that you want to use you, you can add into a dish that's going to be cooked all right uh, another dish, another herb that actually freezes well is dill. Mm. So if you have a lot, and, and unfortunately dill uh, goes bad pretty quickly also, like in your fridge. So use it or lose it. So I just, if I'm done with what I'm doing, I'll chop it up, put it in a uh, baggie and just freeze it. And then I can take some of that up if, if I need it. Uh, mint, you uh, you can you can do the ice cube thing or dry it out as well. 
Oh, really? How do you, you mean just let it dry out? Well, you know, just like the, the same way you could buy dry mint at the supermarket, why pay for it? You have it yourself. And as you know, in your, in your own garden, mint goes crazy. You have to box it in in some way. Otherwise, it's going to take over your garden. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very prolific herb. But I love it. Mint is wonderful. Oh, uh, me it's, too. It's not just for mint juleps. No. I've never had a mint julep, but I love oh, mint. So next summer, try it out. It's it's good. <laughs> it's, 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 All it's right. a little drink. And I bet something that might go well with the mint julep, I'm going to guess, is some of these dips. Let's look at the zesty bean dip. That is cannellini beans. Yeah. It's got garlic, olive oil, lemon juice, lemon zest, thyme, fresh thyme, crushed red pepper, and chopped fresh parsley. Oh, that sounds so good. Oh, yeah. It's it's very good. Look at all those herbs. You have the canned cannellini beans just... Dump it in a, in, a, in a strainer, rinse it off, and then just whiz it up in, in, the, in a uh, food processor to, to your liking. In the old days, I still have one. Uh, all these dishes would be made from uh, the grandmothers, the mothers, the aunts with, with a mortar and pestle. In Greece, they're these wooden ones. That's how they did that back then. And now the food processor is the, is the new convenience item, right? Yeah, it's true. Pestos, every, you know, everybody's using food processors. They would use the mortar and pestle in the old days. So, yeah, bean dips are great, and you you can make some wonderful hors d'oeuvre as well. You, you smear that on some uh, grilled bread as uh, when, you, when you're entertaining uh, in the, during the holidays coming up. It's wonderful. Yeah, you know, my daughter loves hummus, and boy, I have to say, yours was a big hit. I think one of the things that she loves is paprika, and she'll actually put, as delicious as yours is, she's just like a paprika, especially smoked paprika. So she actually added the regular paprika when we made it, and then we put in some smoked paprika as well. Which is actually a smart way to do it, because uh, not all smoked paprikas are, are made equally. Uh, some are stronger than others, and it's it's one of those spices that you can send a dish over the edge and then kind of screw it up. So you have to you have to use it in increments. I love smoked paprika uh, in northern Greece, where we're from. Uh, the Greeks of northern Greece love their peppers. We love our spicy food, and I've, and uh, I've actually even gotten some smoked paprika in northern Greece, where they, they used, my mom used to tell me that these old yaya uh, yaya in Greek is grandmothers would actually go and dry the peppers out and they put them over embers on, on these, uh, on these, uh, grills to actually get the smokiness and, and get that and then grind them up and pulverize it and be a homemade smoked paprika. And that's, I believe Ooh. the old ways it's done even in Spain and also in Hungary. Those are the two major producers of paprika in the world. And, uh, smoked paprika is wonderful. Uh, it's natural. And that smokiness is just, Oh, so amazing. And with the hummus, it just lifts it up. Uh, yeah, it, it does. The other thing, too, that lifted it up was the one large roasted red pepper. So yes. Talk to us about that, because I hadn't seen that in hummus before. Yeah, well, this, this is my northern Greek uh, little twist. As I told you, uh, in Greece, we we love our peppers overall in, in Greece, but the, the part of Greece where my parents are from is called Florina. It's a prefecture or county. Uh, about two and a half hours away from uh, northwest of the Saloniki. And they're known for their uh, Florina pepper, which is what we call here in North America the shepherd's pepper. So it's it's the horn-shaped one. It's a sweet pepper. Sometimes they have some slightly piquant ones. And, you know, we char our peppers. 
you put them in a bowl or you can put in a paper bag to sweat and then you peel the skins off and you discard them and you're left with this lovely smoky red pepper that's also sweet and savory and as another little uh, bit of uh, trivia red peppers have more vitamin c than an orange eat your peppers yes your red peppers especially and and again it has that a whole savoriness uh with the, it goes wonderfully with the, with the hummus and you know i think a lot of people have had the regular hummuses at restaurants all the supermarkets have tubs you can buy yourself and you know it's it's a good convenience product uh, product but if you can make it yourself why not you make it exactly the way you like it Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I bought those for my daughter. I, I think we've tried every brand and none of them. She's like, yeah, but yours. And there's a restaurant in our town that has really amazing Mediterranean food. They make a really good hummus. But even when we buy it and like, we'll get it to go, she'll still put more smoked paprika. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's great. That's what she likes. Absolutely. Why not? You know, it just, it, everybody, everybody has a different tolerance uh, for certain uh, seasonings, right? Uh, yeah. Like the amount of garlic we eat, we garlic are like garlic for you. Uh, again, try and get as local as possible garlic, as opposed to the stuff that's offshore. We won't mention where that's from, and uh, uh, you know, uh, there's other herbs that can also. You know, I'll give an example of sage. You know, little goes a long way. Right? Yeah, I'm not a big sage fan. But maybe I've used too much. Maybe it's been too. In, in Greek cuisine, specifically, it's not used that much. A lot uh, in Greek, specifically Greek cuisine or, or Greek diets, uh, a lot of people would actually boil sage and drink the tea. Oh, in more okay. modern Greek cooking, because all the lines have been blurred these days from like uh, ingredients, we have access to everything. Sage is snuck in, but traditionally, it's it's more boiled as a tea. It's good stuff. All right, let's jump into your chapter four, Easy Lunches. Let's talk about the uh, lentil, how do you say this, halloumi, halloumi bowl? Yeah. Halloumi cheese. You don't know halloumi cheese? I've heard of it. Oh, goodness. Halloumi cheese is wonderful. Halloumi cheese is one of those uh, Appalachian products that is uh, specific to the island of Cyprus. Now, it's there's much like feta cheese, you know, there, there's, there's different countries will make it, but the original, the real deal is from Cyprus, halloumi cheese. Uh, it's got a wonderful tech. When you, when you bite it, it squeaks in your mouth. Oh, the, uh, it's also, it's, it's a little salty. Okay. But like, not as much as feta cheese and stuff, but it has that brininess to it. Uh, it has some dried mint inside the packages, a little bit of brine in the packages when you buy a proper piece of halloumi cheese. You can easily grill it. It holds up well in the grill. You can uh, put it in a skillet with just a, a, a drop of oil. If you have a nonstick pan, and you just put a little drop of oil or a cooking spray of your choice, like we even have an olive oil uh, cooking sprays now, and you can just sear it inside your pan. And if you feel like, like even being decked, you can fry it. You just toss a little bit of flour. You can put it in sticks, cut in batons, or dice it up. And you can have like halloumi croutons. It's a very versatile cheese. Is it made from sheep or goat? Or uh, is it- traditionally, it's made from a sheep's and goat's milk cheese. But here in North America, you'll find uh, local versions of it where they'll have cow's milk in there as well. And, and the halloumi cheese actually freezes well as well. So you're going to have a package of the halloumi and it freezes well. But getting back to the, you know, like I just, 
with that halloumi bowl that you spoke of, it's just adding some some all stars of like Greek and Mediterranean cuisine. Lentil, we love our our brown and green lentils, and uh, there's the halloumi cheese in there. So uh, that's kind of like the, the it's kind of like the meat of 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 uh, the bowl itself, the cheese. And it's got the Kalamata olives. It's got chickpeas as well. The chickpeas is very fortifying as well. Just something to be filling, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You know, I thought this looked really good because I love avocado. Um, avocado carpaccio with shrimp. Oh, that looks really good. Arugula lettuce, shrimp, avocado, plain low-fat Greek yogurt. And for people who don't do dairy, there are other types of, of milk. You know, there's almond. And I think it's great to use it if you want to use a coconut milk or, or a almond milk Greek yogurt. To each their own. Like I, I'm not going to judge. Like I, I always have these discussions with people. Uh, do you like this now? I don't like that. I go, okay, fine. More for me. You know, that's the, <laughs> that's my new mentality now. You don't like what I love? That's fine. More for me. Well, let's talk about fresh tarragon because you've got tarragon in there. Tarragon is something used a lot in French cuisine, and uh, let's not forget that the French in the south, like by the Mediterranean. They're, they're cooking with the same things that the Italians and the Spanish and the Greeks and even the North Africans. Like, it's olive oil, more olive oil, olives, green and black olives, uh, uh, and the herbs itself. So uh, tarragon is something that's, that, that the French use a lot. And it's got that anise kind of aroma and flavor, liquid mm. like, okay? So, so if you like fennel, you can use tarragon. If you can't find tarragon... You can always use fennel or the fennel fronds instead, if you like, and and you'll you'll get that anise kind of a flavor if you want. And if you can't find those, then there's other there's other methods of getting that anise kind of aroma. Like there's also you can go with fennel seeds or ground fennel if you like, at, at, you know, from again from the bulk store, and they might have both of those, both the tarragon dried and also, and which is also another spice, an herb that actually is quite nice dried. Oh, nice. Yeah. It, it, you just, I, I just take a little bit, and what you have to do is you rub it in your hands to release the oils, and then it'll, it'll just bloom, and then you'll know how much more you might have to add into the dish. Yeah, you know, I, I love turkey sausage or chicken sausages, and you have a pasta with turkey sausage and broccolini. What I love is there's so few ingredients. You've got the sausage, you've got like extra virgin olive oil, salt, salt broccolini, you've got the pasta, on, yellow onion, garlic grated Parmesan cheese and crushed red pepper flakes. And I just leave the cheese out and then I just use like, um, I found a cassava flour pasta recently that I really like. So for people who don't eat wheat, there's a lot of different types of pastas. But just the fact that there's so few ingredients, yet it's really flavorful. The key to many of the dishes is what's what's, what's the the underlying, you have to create underlying flavors. And a lot of my dishes will have onion and garlic. And that builds a base for flavor. Okay, and uh, that's where it starts. You have the chili flakes. You have good olive oil, which again has its flavor on its own. Salt, pepper. Pick, you know, pick a, a good quality salt. Like uh, it could be kosher, it could be sea salt. Stay away from the table salts. Uh, one time, I was uh, I guested a guest chef at a Greek church in Los Angeles. It's a, it's, we won't get into who they are, but like, uh, they're well known. A lot, a lot of Greek, uh, celebrities, mm-hmm. uh, would attend this, this, uh, church. And, and, uh, I was catering and I was using the salt that they had, which was a table salt. And we're testing the dishes out. And everything that I made was like off the chart salty. I go, what, what's going on here? 
because I used the same recipes and then I read up on the table salt that they were using, which was two and a half times <gasps> the strength of any regular salt. Oh, no. So I asked the guy, go get me sea salt or, or the, the kosher salt. And we were able to correct the dishes, but it's just a little goes a long way with, with the other salt. And and uh, and, and you, you won't over-season stuff either, and it's healthier for you. But uh, if you have quality ingredients, you don't need that much uh, by way of uh, ingredients. Like It doesn't have to be a list of 15 things. Yeah, that's what makes it nice. So I just want to say, I'm just highlighting some of the recipes. There's so many in the book. Now, in Chapter 5, you've got salads and salad dressings. And, oh, my gosh, I love fennel. You have a romaine salad with fennel, orange, and olives. That's such an interesting combination. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful. Uh, and actually, that's that's something you'd probably do right now. Uh, in, in If you go to the Mediterranean in the old days, this is before the age of globalization. And I'm talking, I'm not talking too long ago. We're talking up to about the early 1990s. Greece entered the formerly the European Union where their market was opened up to things. And that's when uh, their shelves were infiltrated by international goods and they started getting uh, fruits and vegetables that weren't in season. And one of those was romaine lettuce. In middle summer, there's no lettuce in Greece. It's too hot. Springtime and autumn, winter, was when you got the leafy greens and, and the wild greens that, that these old uh, grandmas would go and forage. So to underline again, for all you people that go to a Greek restaurant in Canada in the U.S., there's a true Greek salad doesn't have lettuce in it, okay? <laughs> but, this is like one, but one of the more popular salads is the spring salad, which is basically romaine lettuce, sliced scallions, olive oil, lemon juice, or red wine vinegar, and dill. This is more of a winter one now because fennel is, is in season now. Uh, or citrus in those countries produce citrus is in, is in season. So it's more of a fall-winter salad, taking advantage of, of, what, of those uh, herbs and vegetables. Fennel, the orange, the romaine, olive oil, a little bit of lemon juice, salt and pepper to, to taste, and you're good. Yeah, you have so many great salads in here. What are some of your favorites? The spinach salad with apple and mint, I like as well. Mm. It's very colorful. It's easy on the eye. And again, it's it's, it's using fruit that are in season. It's, we're in autumn right now, as we speak. And uh, I do like the... Uh, I uh, Yeah, the romaine salad I spoke of earlier, which you can actually make all year round now. It's It's... Romaine lettuce, chopped, thinner than you would like a Caesar salad. It has lots of scallions in it, dill. And, the, and I make this for people uh, all the time. And you, you could actually make the dressing a bottle. It's pretty much just eyeballing it. Like you put the wine vinegar into the bowl. You put the olive oil. You put your salt and pepper there, and you toss it, and you have a taste. And once you have the flavor right, then you're ready to serve it. And people go, what's the dressing? I go, I don't, there's no dressing there. I just, you know, mix it all up in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not going to eat this every day, but I put this in for those people that are vegan. And that is the uh, tofu tzatziki. It's so funny because I was going to bring that up. I was curious. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, 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 it, this, this uh, project, this cookbook was, was, was a challenge for me because it, it, I'd have to be frank and tell you that it's, it's out of my comfort zone because uh, I don't, I don't do this diet all, you know, 
that often, but I think something like this would be great. Like, why should those people that are vegans not be able to have uh, their own hero with their with their vegetarian stuff? And so a condiment, like tzatziki's got the dairy, etc. You can't really do with coconut milk. And so, like, if you use a certain type of tofu, you can whiz that up in a food processor, and it turns out pretty good. When I tested it out, I was quite happy with it. And I said, okay, we'll stick with that. Oh, yeah. When I was in my 20s, I had a boyfriend that could take tofu and make it into anything. And he had friends who swore they'd never eat tofu. So he had a pasta maker. And I still remember he made ravioli, but he used tofu. Wow. And he got it the consistency of like ricotta and he mm-hmm. had all the right spices. They loved it. And then afterwards, he's like, ha, that was tofu. And they're like, what? <laughs> I still remember if, that. If you take a look after our interview, you take, you, uh, if you take a look online at some Asian versions of cheesecakes, they use tofu. Oh, interesting. There, there's there's some Asian, yeah, like vegetarian, vegan versions of to of cheesecake where that where it could be like a, like a matcha green tea style cheesecake, and they've got the tofu in there, and the texture is actually quite good. And, and, and you know, like like I'm pretty sure uh, your audience knows this, but like tofu will take on pretty much any any flavor you give it. So. It's 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 a sponge for flavors. Yeah, it absolutely is. All right, let's join uh jump into the plant-based main dishes. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know where to begin. I'm just going to read some of them. Uh baked is that gigante? G- uh, uh, gigandes, giga- which is gigantic. These are the giant elephant beans or the lima beans. Gigandes, uh, giant beans, uh the elephant beans, the lima beans. Uh it's practically a national dish for for greeks and uh it's you can eat that as a main as a main course and i love them i just love them mm. uh, oh that sounds so good and again you, you can like they even have now elephant beans or the lima beans that are in the can ones so you can if you want a shortcut version you can do that or you have to be organized and just uh, soak them overnight now another thing i've just recently found out it's not in a cookbook but uh there's a lot of people that have Instapots now. Yes, I just I got one last year, and I've only used it a few times, and every time it's been great. And then I forget I have it, so thank you. <laughs> I, I have I have a pressure cooker, a proper pressure cooker. I understand that the Instapot does more than that. I'm just I'm not going to buy an Instapot, but I have my pressure cooker, and I just have X amount of space in my kitchen, so uh, I'm you. happy with what I got. You can put dried beans in a pressure cooker without without pre soaking. If you take a look online, there's various times. And one of the things I tried out is with these elephant beans. I put them in there. You put about three times the amount of water. So if you have like, you know, uh, one pound of the beans, put three, you know, like let's say one cup of beans, put three cups of liquid in there. So that, you know, because it's going to absorb all that through the pressure cooking process. You've you've cranked up your heat. You you hear it start to whistle. And you probably need about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Turn off your pressure cooker or your Instapot, safely release it, and then check for doneness. Chances are they'll be good to go. And you save yourself a lot of time also with that. So these are just hacks that people just, I think, have uh, discovered by mistake. Well, you know, another one that looks good, and I'm going to probably say it wrong, is Imam Bayildi. Imam Bayildi. <laughs> Imam Bayildi. Let's say, uh, we, ha- we have to give the Turks credit. This is a Turkish dish, but a lot of dishes from Turkey made their way to uh, Greece, A, because we were under the Ottomans for like uh, 
over 300 years, so you get to pick up something off of them. Secondly, uh, when the Ottoman Empire fell, there were population exchanges. So many Greek-speak, ethnic Greeks that were in what is now Turkey were booted out of Turkey, and many ethnic Turks that were living in what is now Greece were booted out as well. They had population exchanges. These Greek people that were living in what is now Turkey you know, you pick up on on dishes like they could. Like, imagine if you had to leave the United States, you're going to have this melting pot of dishes in your head that you go to wherever you're going to move to and and cook them. Right? That's what these people did as well. So they brought Imam Bayaldi to mainland Greece, and it's basically uh, a boat of an eggplant boat with vegetables, which has lots of tomato and garlic and herbs. Uh, traditionally, they would actually fry the eggplant in olive oil and then add all those stewed vegetables in there and then recook them again, perhaps put in the oven or in a pot. And uh, Imam Bayaldi, uh, the Sultan fainted. That is the literal translation in Turkey. Oh, wow. Because of all the amount of olive oil that was actually involved in the dish, that the, that the, 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 the Imam would just swoon from all the olive oil. Uh my version is a lot quicker and I think a lot healthier. I, I, we avoid the frying, and uh, it's a fantastic uh, vegetarian meal to have. Eggplant is one of those vegetables that are better when you have them locally and in season. Okay. All right. Uh, one little tip for uh, your audience is if you have to cut them in half, you'll see if there's seeds or not. If it's in, if it's in, in the summertime in the season wherever you live uh, in the world, and there's no seeds, it's going to be good. I don't even put the salt for the purpose of these of getting rid of that bitterness anymore because I know it's going to be sweet. It's local. There's no it's the seeds that cause the bitterness, and uh, and a dish like this will be better when it's when they're in season and local. Again, you know, we can find eggplant from Mexico, etc., Central and South America, and they'll bring them up here. Who knows how long that took to get up here, right? Rolling on a truck, right. two weeks, three weeks, whatever. What chemicals they might have sprayed to keep it going and stuff. Leave that be next year when the eggplant is in season where, where you live. That's a wonderful dish to have. It's, nat- it's got that naturally sweet, natural sweetness. Eggplant is another vegetable that takes on whatever flavor you want to give it. Now, where do you get your local produce? Because, you know, I'm, I'm you know, being on the East Coast and it's it's cold and there's like a lot of long winter and same with you. Yeah. So the farmer's markets are closed, but there are CSAs, right, where you can sign up and they can bring you vegetables yes. and fruits from the farm. You pay a certain amount or some stores have, you know, local farmers. How do you get yours? Just like you guys, like, you know, what Toronto, as I said, we probably have like a, cl- a similar climate to that, like to that of Chicago's. Obviously, we don't have any fruits or vegetables that we can pick anywhere now. But, you know, uh, apples and pears, they have in storage. No, they, they have... Uh, processes to keep those stored uh, just you know like potatoes or anything else onions are baked and so they, they, they keep well in the winter time right uh, right canada now you know we we were a country that relies on importing a lot of that california and mexico central south america and then sometimes you'll probably even see it like uh we get wintertime asparagus Ooh, that comes from South America, or you have, you get citrus that comes from South Africa. It's an opposite growing season because they're in the southern hemisphere, like the Australians are. So, uh, 
uh, right now, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I found quince, which came from California. We have quince here. I, they, they grew up here in Canada, but not there. Just people that are Greek or Italian that actually planted them in their homes. What do you use that for? That's a fruit, right? It's a fruit that's a cro- that looks like a uh, if the love child between a pear and an apple got together. It's very <laughs> aromatic, but you have to you can't eat it raw. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Greeks will turn it into a spoon sweet, so like they, they would grate it and then they put it into a pot with lots of sugar, some aromatics, and then it's a preserve. They can get jam out of it. Or they just have it on a spoon and serve it. It looks great on top of yogurt. Uh, or you can have it baked in the oven with some fortified wine, uh, some cinnamon, some brown sugar, uh, or honey. And you roast it covered until it's fork tender. And then you can reduce that the natural juices in that syrup that's been created and pour it over top of it. You can put that with some ice cream or, again, healthier ways. It's just with some Greek-style yogurt. And uh, I love quince; they're wonderful. But uh, oh, you know, try that. to answer your question, like we we rely on importing a lot of fruits and vegetables outside of our growing season. Uh, right now, they, they could probably still pick uh, some uh, cruciferous. I think that's the term, like like cabbages and cauliflower and vegetables like that. Uh, there are some uh, hot houses up here as well. Oh, cool. There's, I, that's gonna, I think you're going to find, this is my hunch, I think in North America that we will uh, focus more on some hothouse technology so that we're not so reliant on these uh, supply chain issues. Right. Yeah, that's really important. Well, I just want to mention some of the other recipes. And you have to come back because there's still so much more to talk about. Uh, you've got a ratatouille. I love ratatouille. You've got chickpea fritters and pita. You've got mushroom fricassee. You've got uh, artichokes with peas and carrots. And then, of course, we don't want to forget soup stews and chilies, too. You've got a vegetarian chili. You've got a fosolada, Greek white bean soup. I keep putting a Spanish accent on it. No, that's fine. Fasol- you actually you did pretty good. Fasolada, you said it quite well. That is oh, okay. another national dish. All, every, every Greek home makes fasolada. There'll be some variants, but it's everybody makes that. And then traditionally, that's probably like uh, on Fridays, which are like, well, the people that that observe uh, the Greek Orthodox faith uh, will 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 have either have a lentil soup or a fasolada bean soup on Fridays. And yeah, that's traditionally, doesn't mean that everyone does that still, but a lot of people, if it's Friday, they got one of those soups, and it's it's one of those soups that eats like a meal. Well, you know, I need soup recipes, so this is great. And you've got so many more than that. Again, people have got to get the book because these recipes are nutritious, they're delicious, and they're easy. And then you've got a whole chapter on pasta. You've got Mediterranean shrimp and pasta, linguine with tapenade, shrimp macaroni and feta, seven-ingredient anchovy, fasuli. I mean, so much. And again, you got to come back so we can talk about those. Um, and, you know, I think what's interesting with the pasta is I think here – in the States, I don't know if it was in Canada, but like the pasta should just be, a, you know, you have a small amount, right? Yeah. Whereas we'll eat like a whole package <laughs> for each person. That's not the Mediterranean way, right? They're saying you should probably, like one one uh, good portion of pasta should be should be like, like the diameter, like a quarter that you grab out of the package. That's it. Wow. 
that's it. You know, uh, we, we pile way too much on. And then, you know, people, the great thing now is they have all this, so many different types of pastas out there. They don't have, there aren't the traditional, you know, wheat, germ wheat-based ones. They have, up here, they have red lentil pasta I've seen as well. Yeah, here. they have that, yeah. They have red lentil one. There's You can use rice noodle ones, uh, vegetable I ones. I had chickpea that was really good. The chickpea recently. one you mentioned as well, right? They have uh, the whole grain, multi-grain ones. Now, they're, they're not – studies show that those ones that are labeled multigrain really aren't that much different from the other pastas, but they taste pretty good. Yeah, they taste pretty good. They can use zoodles if they want instead. I love zoodles. There you go. And then if you don't want to – I find it crazy. I know people buy it, but, like, I can't find myself going to the vegetable butcher at some of these supermarkets <laughs> to buy that stuff. Which, you know, just get a spiralizer and make them yourself. Yes, <laughs> vegetable butcher. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. All right, so then you've got side dishes, uh, pumpkin patties. I definitely want to make these. Dairy-free mashed potatoes, lemony sweet potatoes with pomegranate seeds, oven-baked fries, baby smashed potatoes. I mean, oh my gosh, so many delicious, delicious. And the other thing is that people can uh, – I just got myself a new gas range uh, because the other one just went uh, – belly up and so <laughs> uh-huh. i went and got a new one I, I prefer natural gas the electric ones and uh other people that are looking for a stove out there a new stove you'll i think you'll your 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 audience will, will learn that a lot of the new stoves now have an air fryer setting on them Ooh. so you can save yourself from buying another gadget to have on your countertop <laughs> if you already got an air fryer on your countertop for all these other big types of things go for it fine but otherwise, you're going to buy an oven. Get the get the ovens that have the air fryer setting on it, and it actually does pretty good uh, work. I'm oh, cool! Yeah, I'm really impressed. I, even even the other air fryers, I, I they do a good job. My only issue with the actual standalone air fryers is that it doesn't make much in there. It doesn't fit much. Oh, okay. Yeah, I really want one. I haven't gotten one yet. Yeah, they, they, like like they, they look like the like looks, looks like a big tagine kind of thing. They're kind of old, you know, conical and stuff. But like, if you want to feed a family of four, make these oven these air fryer fries kind of a thing. All you need is like one tablespoon of oil, and it does the job. But like, it takes a while for that to happen. And it's like you know, if you have kids, mom, I want more fries. They're gonna, you're going to have some upset natives at home. <laughs> so I think the air fryer setting on your on these new gas ranges is the way to go and uh, to, to make a lot of these dishes where they're like, you know, oven baked. Oh, that sounds amazing. All right. Speaking of amazing, let's jump into desserts and beverages. I notice there's a lot of fruit. There's poached pears. There's roasted plums. There's roasted pears. There's strawberry shortcake. All these things came to the forefront like in ancient times. That's what they use as, you know, that's what, that's that's what you eat fruit or dry fruit, it. right? Uh, yeah. Raisins were all you know these these were all extensions of, of preserving things at their height when they're in season for the cold months. Uh, dried fruits, apricots, uh, figs. Uh, your bulk store has tons of that stuff as well. You know you can get fresh or dried. Uh, they have. Some of the other ones, like the dried papaya and pineapple, they can be really, really sweet and stuff. So it's it's up to you with what you want to use. And I like using that stuff uh, in granola as well. It's good stuff. Well, the book is fantastic, Peter. The Everything Green Mediterranean much. Cookbook. Oh, my gosh. So good. Peter Minaki, 200 plant-based recipes for healthy and satisfying weight loss. Tell us all the ways that we can find you. 
You can find me at uh, my website is at the www.kalofagas.ca. K-A-L-O-F-A-G-A-S dot C-A. All right. It'll also be in the show notes just to let people know. Right. Uh, Instagram at K-A-L-O-F-A-G-A-S. I share a lot of my, what I'm doing, what I'm cooking, the kitchen in there. Sometimes there's some stories. Uh, You can find me uh, in Facebook. There's a fan page for Kalofagas as well. And uh, the website, Instagram, oh, even on LinkedIn, for those people who are more business-minded, you can look at me up for Peter Menaki. I, I, I post some recipes also. It's more serious over there in LinkedIn. But, you know, I think of my social media presence as kind of like the spokes of a wheel. The middle part's the hubcap, which is my website. And then the spokes going out are the different avenues of social media Ooh. that try to send out information. And, uh, you know, people can find me on Twitter, again, at Calofagas. I'm also in TikTok, but peripherally. Like, I wouldn't even bother mentioning where to find me there. I, I'm mostly just there as a spectator. Sometimes I put up some food items, but uh, I haven't really grasped them yet. Maybe next year. We'll see. Peter, you're fabulous. This was such a great conversation. I'm excited to have you back. It was my pleasure, Lisa, to chat with you. I had had a fun afternoon. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you, and we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment, because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy. And Lisa? At Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.